Praise the Lord and good morning everybody. I hope that all of you are having a good morning in the Lord. Praise God. I hope that you all are, are feeling good today and ready to study uh, from the book of Revelation once again. Uh, for those of you who may just be tuning in for the first time to these particular broadcasts in this series, let me uh, take a moment to just explain to you uh, what has been in my heart as we've been doing these uh, overview studies in the book of Revelation. Some months ago, many months ago now, actually, the Lord laid it on my heart to read the book of Revelation with my partners and friends of this ministry. And uh, so, and then provide an overview of the book uh, throughout that reading. Uh, so I'll tell you from the rip, you know, this is not an in-depth detailed study of the book of Revelation which I have mentioned numerous times in previous programs. Incidentally you can access all of the programs on the Old Time Power podcast which is basically just all lowercase Pastor Len Paxton dot podbean dot com and you can access all of the previous broadcast and all future teaching sessions as well. Now we're trying to give some, some, some very helpful nuggets, we're trying to give a skeleton outline, and we're trying to give pertinent uh, points to the book of Revelation as we read through each and every verse. We are not skipping a verse. This is something that I felt God wanted me to do with my partners and my friends, and I pray that it's been a blessing to everyone. Now it is open for everybody to listen and everybody to receive blessing from this series. It's not just open to partners. I did not put a lock on the file. So I, I pray that many of you will listen. I pray that you'll tell your friends, you'll tell your family members, and have everybody to be tuning in. And in the future, going forward, we have some great series that God has laid on our hearts to teach right here on Jesus Revolution with Len and Angie. And I hope that you'll be able to tune into as many of them as possible. There is absolutely nothing more important in all of your life than learning the Word of God, than studying the Word of God. Amen? So now today we are going to begin the 10th chapter of the book of Revelation, but before we do that I want to go back uh, into chapter 9 to the, to the final two verses, the last two verses of chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. And uh, I felt that I didn't cover that at all, uh, basically yesterday, so let's talk about it today. The Bible says in Revelation 9, 20, and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues. Now, you remember I told you how horrible, how terrible, how awful that the Great Tribulation period is going to be, and we made an impassioned plea for you to be saved right now. Don't put it off, don't wait, because you're not promised tomorrow. And if you get a, a certain number of tomorrows, and the Lord comes in the rapture, and you're left behind, then you're going to face the events which we described to you yesterday. And so we made that plea. But here's how this ninth chapter closes out. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues. So everybody's not going to die by those plagues uh, of, of chapter 9 and also uh, chapter 8. Yet 
repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. So you see there that idolatry is going to be one of the major sins of the tribulation. Also it says in verse 21, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. And so we can see here five uh, main sins that will be running rampant during the tribulation. Idolatry, murder, sorcery, and that that word sorcery is going to figure in greatly so to mystery Babylon that we'll be coming to, to in, in a few chapters. Uh, it'll, it'll be centered around a false religion. It'll, it, it includes the use of drugs and the use of magic incantations. And we're going to get into that uh, later. Also, fornication and theft will be rampant during the Great Tribulation. And for all of God's judgment that He sends, for all of the plagues that are poured out upon the earth, all the suffering, all the unimaginable horrors, men will not repent. There will be some that will. There will be some that will come to Christ through the ministry of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, also through uh, backslidden preachers at the time of the rapture that got right with God after the rapture. There will be some that will be saved. But you know, Jesus made a statement when in, in his teachings that's very interesting to me. It holds true for right now, the time that you and I are living in. It holds true for the past history of the church, and it holds true also, I believe, for this time frame as well. Jesus said that the road that leads to death and destruction is broad and many there are that walk down that broad road. He also said the road that leads to eternal life is a very narrow road and few there be that find it. And so in the grand scheme of things, I mean I read a, a statistic the other day that indicated that 85% of Americans consider themselves to be Christians. Well obviously we know uh, that 85% of Americans are definitely not born again. Definitely not saved. Not Christians. But people like to think that they are, and that's another, another topic altogether. But Jesus said the road is narrow, and there's going to be few on it. And few, it'll be millions, but it'll be few in comparative to the total population of all the ages. And that's something to think about even during the Great Tribulation. You know, sometimes people get it in their minds. Well, I will wait. I will party. I will have my fun first. I'll do some things that I want to do and have some experiences that I think would be cool to have. And then I'll give my heart to Jesus Christ at the very end so that I make it into heaven. Well, you know, it doesn't work that way, friend. I, I could tell you story after story after story of people's lives who have been cut short because they tried to play that game. No, when, and, and here's another thing, you know, God extends that special grace at special moments in people's lives to be saved. He's got their heart 
softened, he's got their attention, the time is right. That time may pass. Let's just say they would refuse that time. That time may pass. Another time will come later on down the road because God is always trying to talk to you and deal with you and get you born again, get you to come to Jesus Christ. But what if you die in between times? You see, we have an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, or kill, steal, and destroy. And his name is Satan. And he's plotted the death of this evangelist many, many times. And he's plotted the death of you. And he's after your soul. So when you feel, when that special grace is extended and you sense that Holy Spirit dealing with you to come to Jesus in every single... Listen, I've said this before many times. The longest day you live, the Holy Spirit will be trying to get you to come to Christ. When you sense that call, answer it. Say yes to Jesus because you have no promise of tomorrow. And so that brings us now uh, today to chapter 10. I'm going to try in this segment to do chapters 10 and 11. We'll see how that goes. And again, let me say, we are not giving an in-depth study of the book of Revelation. We're not doing a deep study. We're doing an overview. But there are some very interesting nuggets that God is helping us to bring out. And we pray that this study will be a blessing to you. I know that just by us reading the book of Revelation together, we're promised a blessing in the book of Revelation. For reading the words, heeding the words, studying the words, hiding them in our heart, and living the book of Revelation, I mean living for Jesus in the times that we're alive, we will be blessed. So let's start today in Revelation chapter 10. We'll see how far we get with this today in verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. Now, you remember that rainbow was the Noatic, the Noahic covenant. It was the covenant of Noah in other words, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire, and he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the earth, and his left foot upon the earth, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things that therein are, that there should be time no longer. So these verses constitute another uh, parenthetical uh passage that's taking place uh, approximately uh, at the close of the sixth trumpet. And it's the fourth parenthetical time that we come to in the book of Revelation. Actually this passage, this parenthetical section goes from uh, Revelation chapter 10 verse 1 to Revelation chapter 11 verse 13. 
and it explains certain things which are the contents not of the trumpets or the vials but which are fulfilled in conjunction with them okay and I explained already how the, the parenthetical situation uh, of this book works so I will not go into that again today the main vision of the trumpet judgments is, is broken by this passages that we're in right now it's inserted between uh, the sixth and seventh trumpets the first parenthetical passage of Revelation was placed between the sixth and seventh seal and all of these are placed in their proper positioning in the book and they explain certain events which are fulfilled in the true order so we're actually looking at a timeline here with uh, a sectioned off area where something else is happening at the same time that something else is happening. You see what I'm saying? Particular reference in this passage is made to the mighty angel that came down from heaven with the little book open. It was taken, uh, he, he had taken it from the right hand of God in chapter 5 of the book of Revelation. That's important to remember. And has opened the seven seals in Revelation 6, 1 through 8, 1. So we know that this mighty angel is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Uh, speaking when, when they're speaking of this angel, when John wrote about him, he said another, so it's not one of the trumpet angels. And it's stated in Revelation 11, verse 3, that the two witnesses are my two witnesses. That's what the angel said. That would not be written about just a common angel. So we note in the Bible that God is mentioned in conjunction with clouds about 150 times. In Revelation 10.1 and in Revelation 14 verses 14 through 16, the Son of Man is cited with the clouds. The rainbow is never used in the Bible. I, I need society to hear that today. The rainbow is never used in the Bible apart from God. Let me tell you something. God is the owner of the rainbow. The rainbow doesn't belong to perversion. The rainbow doesn't belong to humanity. God is the owner of the rainbow. Hallelujah. So this particular mighty angel must be the Son of God. For the word says that a rainbow is upon his head. Jesus Christ is a God of covenant. Hallelujah. And he has many covenants that you can see in the word of God. He has an earth covenant. You know, the earth is an important factor in the book of Revelation. There's things happening to the earth, with the earth, on the earth, and through the earth during the book of Revelation. And some of these subjects, as I mentioned to you in the past couple sessions, uh, are very exciting. I love to study uh, things about the Nephilim. Uh, you can get a hold of material by Tom Horn, uh, by uh, the, bro the brother's name slips me right now, but his last name is McGuire. Um, you can get all kinds of material that goes deeper into the book of Revelation and I wish that you would do so because it's fascinating uh, to study pro Bible prophecy deeply but let me give you a caution as well while we're in this tenth chapter this parenthetical situation uh, you can go overboard on Bible prophecy let, let me put it another way to you 
You can never study too much about the Lord Jesus Christ. You can study too much about gifts of the Spirit. You can go overboard with it. You can go overboard in studying Bible prophecy. You can let it consume you until you actually become a basket case. You actually do not think correctly. And if all you're feeding on is Bible prophecy, you're going to be weak in other areas of your Christian life. Uh, you can go overboard on the gifts of the Spirit. Like I said, you can go overboard on, on studying uh, uh, the Old Testament. You can go overboard in every area except one. Study Jesus Christ. And I don't mean just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I mean look at everything in the Word of God from the perspective of its revealing Christ to you for your life, for your time. Okay, now that will definitely lead you into Bible prophecy. So don't get it in your mind that I'm saying it's, it's bad to study prophecy or the gifts of the Spirit or anything. That's, that's foolish. Be an adult, not a child, okay? I am telling you that you need the entire Word of God. In my life, I'll be honest with you, I'm getting older. And I've faced some, some health issues this past year. I have faced other issues emotional issues, other things that, that just normal that come along with age, okay? And so about 50% of the time, in my personal Bible study time, about 50% of the time I study faith and healing and blessing and who I am in Christ and all of that. Another great deal of the time... Uh, I couldn't give a percentage to it necessarily, but I study the, the, the uh, prophetic word. I study word, how do we live. What I mean by prophetic word is not end time events. I study how do we live in our generation. How do we become disciples of Christ? How should I behave daily? I need, and, and understanding in all of this, both the 50% on faith and healing and, and blessing and who I am in Christ, I need the help of the Holy Spirit to arrive at any of it, okay? And then I also study Bible prophecy, and I would guess that my Bible prophecy study percentage time is about 20%. About 20% of my time, I study Bible prophecy. We are all given so many hours in a day, and I'm going to tell you something, man. You're going to need healing sometime. You're going to need joy. You're going to need to learn how to walk in peace. Here's a big one, a big one that I have faced over the years. You're going to need to lay down at night and be able to sleep. Well, you're going to need to know the promises of God for that. You're going to need to study the Word in those areas. Now, I am not trying to dissuade you from studying Bible prophecy. We're doing a series right now on the book of Revelation Hallelujah, giving an overview and reading it with our partners and friends. But what I am telling you, you have to have balance in your Christian life. And so, that having been said, one thing that we haven't tried to do in this series is make a lot of references to issues of our day. And I've done that in order to give an overview of the book completely. It would take many 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 hours of this teaching to to look at everything in today's newspapers and try to fit it into Bible prophecy some someday but I do have series in the works 
that we're studying out and working on where we will uh, look at modern day events as it relates to Bible prophecy. Also, uh, when we get here in just a little while to chapter 13 where the, where the Antichrist is, is looked at, um, I'm not going to do an in-depth study on the Antichrist in these sessions. But I have done one, and it's called The Rise of the Islamic Beast. It's one theory, but it has a lot of information about the Antichrist, his characteristics, his titles, uh, etc., and so forth. Now, if you are a partner, and, and, and let me explain, a partner is somebody who gives to the ministry each and every month to help us preach the gospel around the world, and we are so thankful for you. If you are a partner, you have been sent one of those, uh, there's two that deals with the, the Antichrist and the system that surrounds him in the final days. One is called the Rise of the Islamic Beast, the other is called the Rise and Fall of the Seventh Empire. If you don't have them anymore, and, and you are a monthly partner and you would like another copy, you simply need to let me know. Those are in-depth studies of those two particular topics. Um, so let's move forward here. We're, we're just giving you a, a skeleton outline of this great book. And uh, we're studying Bible prophecy. We're teaching Bible prophecy. We are not against Bible prophecy. So I don't want you to leave here thinking. But what I do want you to do is I don't want you to become weak in other areas of your Christian life. And prophecy is a very interesting subject, and you certainly ought to know as much about it as possible, and that's going to require time to study it out. But do not neglect other studies from the Word of God that will help to make you the Christian you need to be. Now maybe that's a better way to say it. Praise God. So, Jesus is the only person that this mighty angel uh, could refer to. And the little book that he holds in his hand is the same book that sealed with seven seals in chapter 5. That's another clue as to who this mighty angel is referring to. This book does not have to do with, with redemption or with title deeds. Rather, it's a book of judgment. The, those were the seals that were opened at, at first. And the seals contained the trumpets, and the trumpets contained the vials, as we shall soon see. Uh, you can tell this just from the fact that the language of Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 10 indicate no difference whatsoever. This little book of chapter 10 will already be open when this mighty angel comes from heaven. So it is evident that the opening of this book will have taken place before he comes to earth. He comes in triumph and there will be no more delay. The word translated time here in these passages may also be translated delay. That, so the Greek word translated time here can also be translated delay. The fact that numerous events are to follow make it clear that this is not the end of chronological time, but rather the end of any further delay. So again, what are we doing here? We are letting Scripture interpret Scripture. We are letting the original languages that it was written in show us the exact meaning of these passages in the book of Revelation chapter 10. And it's the first six verses for those of you who are just tuning in. What this means is, is that events of the great 
tribulation will now take place quickly and move inevitably swiftly toward the return of Christ and the establishment of his kingdom forever. The mystery of what is to be is to be, let's say that again, the mystery of what is to be will be revealed and events will proceed. Alright, so that brings us to the final verses of chapter 10 where it talks about this bittersweet scroll that we're going to read about right now. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. And as he has declared to his servants the prophets, the prophets have seen this, they foretold it, Daniel saw it, Isaiah saw it, Ezekiel saw it, etc. and so forth, Zechariah, Zephaniah, prophets today who operate in the Spirit are getting glimpses. Here's the thing I want, I want to bear down on also during this parenthetical passage. You have to be careful because of human personality, which is very prone to error, and also very prone to sensationalism, you have to be careful with prophets. Don't misunderstand me, there are prophets, there are good prophets, there are right-on prophets, there are God-called prophets. But generally, prophets today will only see in part. And that's really the way it was with the Old Testament prophets and prophets in the New Testament time as well. God basically uses it, three of the gifts. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Notice it said a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And discerning of spirits basically has to do with discerning. They, they will tell when something is of an evil spirit, a demon present. Okay, So these people who claim they go all over the country claiming to be able to look into people's souls. Most of the time, the vast majority of, of the time, they are not of God. Another thing, um, the gift of prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit were never intended to run your life as a Christian. I mean, you shouldn't be looking for some man or woman to give you a word all the time before you can live life for Jesus. All right? And God has created us all as free moral agents with choice, with the ability to, to love or hate, the ability to accept or reject, and it's up to us to make our decisions, and we do it based solely on the Word of God alone. But now sometimes we need help in a situation, and so that's where real prophets come in. Uh, every single cult that has ever started, I, and I, I'm doing a study actually right now on cults, and uh, it is bizarre to me what some people will fall for. But every single cult that has ever started, they have endeavored to exert control over people. That is never of God. Now, there is a place 
for prophets of God or people who are operating in a prophetic anointing. I operate in a prophetic anointing quite often as I preach. And, and, and it's perfectly proper and right for them to give you a word about your life. Or for them to tell you that God has, is saying this. But here's the thing, and this is what I wanted to get to. When that occurs from a legitimate, genuine, prophetic gift of the Spirit, it will always line up 100% with the Word, the written Word of Almighty God. And if what people are telling you violates the Word of God, it is not from God. And you need to keep that in mind. Alright, let's move right along. So, we'll start all over Revelation 10, 7 through 11. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he has declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth, and I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hands and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten, eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Ladies and gentlemen, we should not be ashamed or afraid to give the testimony of Jesus in front of leadership, uh, na national leadership, governmental leadership. We will be called upon, we will be required to give testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And this is what it was told. So John was told to eat the little book. This phrase is a type of Hebrew expression for the reception of knowledge. When you're eating the word, you know, you hear people say that, I just eat the word right up. What they mean is they're learning, they're growing, uh, they're hiding that word in their heart. Hallelujah. And the book was sweet to eat, but bitter to digest. The effect upon John is sufficient proof that this little book contains catastrophic events that are to transpire upon earth in connection with mankind. The little book contains further revelation of God's judgment upon the human race. Verse 11 states this, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Some people have said that this meant that John would be one of the two witnesses, but that is not what it means. The Greek word used here and translated before should be translated of or concerning. In other words, it literally means that he would prophesy to us again concerning people's nations, tongues, and kings. So it means that God's going to give him a word. He's, God's going to show him. God's going to show John what's going to happen to people groups, to nations, 
to different tongues of people, different tribes and dialects, and also to kings. And this is exactly what John does in the remainder of the book of Revelation, and even more so than in the first portion that we've already come through. So obviously the contents of this little book includes materials that pertain to John's work as a prophet in the matters that he was to declare. So let's note here also that we see the Apostle John actually operating in three that we can see, and, and really the Apostle John operated in all five of the ministry gift callings. He was a pastor of sorts there on the Isle of Patmos, but in other places as well, he was the chief pastor. He was certainly an apostle. He is a prophet here as he receives the book of Revelation. He was a teacher as he told the things that Jesus taught and received words through gifts of the Spirit that became part of our Bible that were inspired by God. And he was an evangelist as he traveled and won souls to Christ. So that's very, very interesting. Uh, today, very few people operate in all five of the ministry gifting callings, but there are some. Okay. Now this, at the time of this Revelation chapter 10, this is not the time when Jesus will come to take possession of the earth. That will be three and a half years later. So we're at the midpoint of the tribulation period here. And now we're entering into great tribulation, which is the final three and one half years. Jesus comes down at this occasion to show John that there are other happenings that must take place that are most important and things are going to become even worse and there will be no further delay in these things and these judgments will now continue and that takes us to chapter 11 uh, of the book of Revelation. I hope that something that's being said is a blessing to you as we read the book of Revelation together word for word and as we give you a basic outline of what we're reading. And again, let me reiterate that's really all that this series was intended to be. Uh, we're going to go much deeper later. I also want to encourage you to find reputable teachers that teach on Bible prophecy and not just the book of Revelation, but Daniel and, and other aspects of prophecy as well. Men like John Hagee, Perry Stone, uh, Hal Lindsey, Jack Van Empey, uh, I could name Jonathan Kahn. I could go on and on and on with a lot of great prophecy material that's out there. And you should do an in-depth study on the book of Revelation. I, won't, I don't have time to do uh, them very much because there's so many other things that God has called me to preach and teach. But we do want to include this uh, as well because as I said earlier in the, the program today, we need to be well-rounded in all of the Bible. We, we, need, we need to know about the love of God. We need to know about the cross of Christ. We need to preach and teach these things. We need to preach and teach and know about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the New Testament church. We need to preach and teach and know about biblical marriage. We need to preach, teach, and know about the value of human life. We need to preach, teach, and know about Bible prophecy. We need to preach, teach, and know about every aspect 
of the Word of Almighty God. And so there is none that's really more important than any other because all of it as a whole, and that's the Bible is to be taken as a whole and as a whole considered important. Let me say that again. The Bible, the Word of God, the written Bible that you and I have is to be taken as a whole and to be considered important as a whole. And Bible prophecy is certainly a vital part of the Word of God. Amen? And so we want to study prophecy, we want to preach and teach prophecy, and we want to know what the future holds for planet Earth. Amen? Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, And there was given unto me a reed, like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot for forty and two months. We're still in that parenthetical section. We're continuing with the measuring of the temple. And, and next, it's gonna, the two witnesses are going to be revealed. All right, And I'm going to give you my opinion on the two witnesses. And there are many uh, differences of opinion. But I'm going to give you my opinion on that. The reed that is referred to here is also mentioned in Revelation chapter 21, verses 15 and 16. It is like a rod or a scepter. It's about 12 and one half feet long. The measuring that's done in this passage is not for building but rather for destruction. Passages such as uh, 2 Samuel 7, 14, Psalms chapter 2, verse 9, chapter 89, verse 32, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 4, Lamentations chapter 2, verse 8, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 37, and 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 21, bring out the thought of a rod of chastisement. Okay? This is not Herod's temple. That temple was destroyed some 25 years before John had this vision at the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. This will also not be the millennial temple as described in Ezekiel's chapters 40 through chapters 48. That will not be built until Christ comes to earth, according to Zechariah chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. This particular temple is one that will be rebuilt by the Jews right before the tribulation period and destroyed at the end of the tribulation, either by an earthquake under the seventh vial, which you can see in Revelation 16, 18, and 19, 16 verses 18 through 19, or it will be destroyed by the armies of the Antichrist when they take over Jerusalem. And that's recorded in Zechariah chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 5. So it's clear from both testaments that sacrifices will be offered for at least three and one half years in this temple, after which time it will be made desolate for three and one half years, and it will be polluted by the Antichrist and by the Gentiles. And you can see that in Daniel 9.27, Daniel 12, verses 7 through 12, Matthew 24.15, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. 
It should be noticed that everything pertaining to the Jewish part of the temple and worship, the Old Testament type of worship, will pass under the rod of judgment and desolation for the purpose of breaking the spirit of Israel. The court of the Gentiles was not to be measured. You notice that? The court of the Gentiles will be trodden down of the Gentiles for it's already in their possession. It was considered by the Jews to be polluted and fit only for Gentiles. Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles for 42 months. The times of the Gentiles that we read of in many passages of the Scripture will not end until the return of Christ at the end of the 42 months. The phrase is 40 and 2 months, a thousand two hundred and three score days, and also a time, times, and half of time, all refer to the last three and one half years of Daniel's 70th week, when the Antichrist will reign supreme. So I mean, during the last half of the great, the, the great tribulation period, or we could say it this way, the tribulation period is seven years in length. The first three and a half years, and then the great tribulation of the second three and one half years. And that second three and one half years is when the Antichrist will absolutely reign supreme the first three and a half years, there's a lot of battles going on as Antichrist is establishing his strangleholds and establishing his power. But in that last three and a half years, things really get bad on planet Earth. You can read this in Revelation 11, 2, 3, Revelation 12, 6, Revelation uh, 12, 14, Revelation 13, 5, Daniel 7, 25, and Daniel 12 and 7. The Jewish people is so important to God. He chose them in the very beginning. The human race owes a tremendous debt of gratitude to the Jews. But they have not accepted Jesus Christ and will be coming under severe troubles during the Great Tribulation. It's one of the names of the Great Tribulation is called the time of Jacob's trouble. The time of Jacob's trouble. And that brings us to the next section of Revelation chapter 11, the two witnesses. And again, there's much, much more detail that we could give on these subjects. I'm right now working on a message, just a whole message, a whole teaching time, just on these two witnesses. But for now, we're just going to give an overview. And we'll begin reading in Revelation chapter 11, verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. That is a powerful phrase. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rains not in the days of their prophecies. 
and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and shall kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of that great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. I'll get to that in a moment, but they're talking about Jerusalem. Where also our Lord was crucified. There it is. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. That, that's a desecration to a Jew. It's disrespectful and desecrating. And they that, have, that dwell on the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt upon the earth. I'm telling you, when you don't love truth, truth will torment you. When you don't love truth, you will begin to hate the preachers of truth. And after three days and a half, oh, hallelujah. Read this. Check this out in your Bible. After three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither! So here we see another rapture. Glory, hallelujah to God. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the, Now this is, let me back up a minute. This is the rapture of the two witnesses. This is not the rapture of the church. That has already taken place. And there are several raptures actually throughout the tribulation. And we'll get to that another time. The 144,000 are going to be taken up too. Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted. They were scared, and they gave glory to the God of heaven. It's important uh, for us to determine a little bit of what this passage is saying here uh, about the two witnesses. <clears throat> and there's been a lot of discussion concerning who they are. Any theory of their identity has to harmonize with Scripture, first of all. They are two men. Okay, these are not supernatural beings necessarily. They, they are two men. They're not two covenants. They're not two dispensations, but two individuals, clearly stated in verse 3. And secondly, they will be given power by Christ, for they are His witnesses. They will prophesy for 1,260 days, three and one half years, during the same period of time that the Antichrist is reigning supreme in the holy city, Jerusalem. Now, I'm going to tell you who I think they are, and I'll tell you one, one reason of several why I believe it. And that's about all we have time to get into today. I personally, you know, a lot of people think it's Moses and Elijah. I personally believe it's Enoch and Elijah. And because Enoch never died, and Elijah never died, they were just taken by the Lord. But more importantly than that, if you look back at Enoch... It was during his time, and absolutely I advise you to read the book of Enoch. 
It's not part of the Bible. It's not considered inspired by God, but it gives an account of his life. And he gives an account of some strange things that were happening on planet Earth during his time as it relates to angelic beings, to Nephilim, to the building of mega structures. I mean, it's a fascinating book. And it will shed a lot of light on the world of Enoch. So I do recommend Christians get a copy uh, of the book of Enoch and begin to read it. And if I think of it before this series is over, I will grab a couple of the ones that I have by different writers and I will recommend them to you because they're, they're uh, put into more modern language and they're annotated. And I like that very, very much. So... That having been said, and that's all we're going to go into it today, I believe the two witnesses are Enoch and Elijah. The, the two witnesses are not mentioned until the middle of the week. Now, we would have to do a brief study on Daniel's 70th week to understand that statement. But, but, and, and I'm not prepared to do that today. I am going to teach on that in coming uh, episodes uh, here on Jesus' Revolution with Len and Angie. But Daniel prophesied the Great Tribulation. He called it a week. And there were basically 70 weeks appointed unto Israel in Daniel's prophecy. 69 of them have taken place, and the time clock stopped with the church age. So the week was paused. The week was put on pause. There's one week left of the 70. And the 70th week is the great tribulation period because God has taken the church out of the way in the rapture and God has now focused His attention and His dealings exclusively upon Israel at this particular time. That does not mean that people in other parts of the world cannot and will not give their heart and life to Jesus Christ because many will. But the primary focus of the book of Revelation is the dealing of God with Israel with Israel, with Israel, to bring them back, his chosen, back to himself, and to judge them. And then it extends into the judgment of all mankind. Okay, so um, it can also be noted that the 1260 days, 42 months of Revelation 11 and 3 are the same as Revelation 11 and 2. Both periods are under the same prophecy. The city of Jerusalem is not trodden underfoot by the Gentiles until the last half of the Great Tribulation period. And that's the time that the witnesses will be prophesying. Okay? The angel of Revelation 10 will come down from heaven during the middle of the Tribulation after the sixth trumpet and just before the seventh. And he declares that power will be given to these two witnesses. It is stated in verse 4 that these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before God, the, the, before the God of all the earth. Two persons are represented. This is verified in Zechariah 4, verse 3, and Zechariah chapter 11, verse 14. They're given power, they're given authority, and they're given uh, the right to exercise it as they choose. Revelation 11. Uh, 5 and 6. These witnesses can destroy their enemies. They will cause rain to stop during their ministry. At their command, water will be turned to blood. They can smite the earth with plagues. 
and we can see from biblical history that God has used plagues many times because of sin and idolatry, and they will be used by God again. Exodus chapter 7, verses 20 through 36, Leviticus 26, the entire chapter, <coughs> Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 14 through 17, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 30, and uh, also uh, chapter 10, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 4, and 2 Samuel 24 and 15 are just a few examples of God using plagues to judge sin and idolatry. And remember at the beginning of the episode today, the segment today, we talked about one of the five sins predominant in the earth during the time of the book of Revelation will be the sin of idolatry. And one of them is idolatry. What is an idol? An idol is anything you put ahead of God. So now at this point, I want to move quickly through an overview here for the rest of our time together in order to get this done uh, in a reasonable amount of time by finishing up uh, the, the 11th chapter of the book of Revelation. So the two witnesses, again, my opinion is that it will be Enoch and Elijah. And uh, there, there's room to disagree without being disagreeable, okay? So I don't fall out with people who think it's Moses and Elijah. I have good friends that think it's Moses and Elijah. And I'm fine with, with whatever you want to believe. And, and I, I've heard some really good, compelling uh, thoughts concerning that. And I, again, I'm not dogmatic on a lot of this stuff, but there is some of it that's pure Scripture, black and white, that we must heed and we must... Uh, put to heart in our lives in the day in which we're living in. So we can see the big celebration when the witnesses are dead and they refuse, and which was it was a cardinal sin, you know, almost. It, it was definitely a sin against God for a Jew to not be buried right away. Usually they were put in the grave by the end of that day. And they leave them laying in the streets for three and a half days just to totally mock them and ridicule them. And then they celebrate by sending each other gifts. Shikalabaha. Oh God, that's so sad. We're getting in, into the time today in our nation, in our country of America, where they celebrate when righteous people are ridiculed, when righteous people are mocked, Today, parts of America celebrates that. That is a wicked thing before God. I'm just going to tell you, it's wicked. It's evil. And one day you will be judged for that. So the most, to me, the most reasonable conclusion would be that Enoch and Elijah are the only two that have not tasted death on earth that has to happen because the scripture says it's appointed unto men once to die. Both of these men were prophets of judgment. And so it's logical to me that both Enoch and Elijah should come back and die their appointed deaths. And now let's move to the seventh trumpet. So we're done with the parenthetical section. We are back to the seventh trumpet which produces for us the third woe. Okay. Here's what the scripture says. The second woe is past. 
and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded. And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and are to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power, hallelujah, and hast reigned, and the nations were angry. And thy wrath is come in the time of the dead that they should be judged that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. This is the last of the three woes which, declared, uh, which were declared by the angel in Revelation chapter 8, verse 13. It's not the earthquake of Revelation eleven thirteen, which takes place uh, when the two witnesses are called up to heaven, but it is the uh, casting out of Satan to the earth as under the seventh trumpet. You're going to see that in Revelation 12, 13. The seventh trumpet includes the period involving the third woe which we mentioned at the beginning. And it's also a vision of a woman, a man-child, a dragon, a remnant, war in heaven, beasts, and other events transpiring all the way from Revelation 11.14 to 13 verse 18. It does not include any events beyond these chapters. The main event under the seventh trumpet is the casting out of Satan as a part of the process of the defeating of satanic powers in the heavenlies before the purposes of God can be carried out on the earth. And that's, ladies and gentlemen, that is why we pray. That is why we enter into intercession. That is why Christians are to be involved in spiritual warfare. You are to be pulling down strongholds. You are to be casting down imaginations. You are to be engaged in this because what has to happen, and of course this that we're reading in the book of Revelation, when we get to chapter 12 especially, this will be the ultimate end of principalities and powers. Okay, But we're to be involved in that every day of our life throughout the church age as believers we are to be establishing the kingdom of Jesus on the earth during our lives. Okay? Now let me read that verse again. <clears throat> the main event under the seventh trumpet is the casting out of Satan as a part of the process of defeating satanic powers in the heavenlies. And I'm going to explain a little bit briefly that and you can study that for this further on your own as well. But there's basically, uh, there are several heavens referred to in the scripture. Okay, let's just put it that way. There is the air that we breathe. And the atmosphere of the earth, which goes up to about the top of the highest mountain, uh, according to the Greek, which is about 6,000 feet. We'll call that the first heaven. 
That's what the Bible calls it, okay? And then you have the second heaven, which is above 6,000 feet, into a stellar planetary outer space where Satan resides. Satan is called the prince of the powers of the air in your Bibles. The warfare takes place in, the, in that second heaven that affects life here on earth. And that is, again, that is why we pray, that is why we engage in spiritual warfare and do all that we do in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. That's why we plead the blood, hallelujah, and do everything that we do is because we're doing battle in that realm. Angels and demons are fighting in that realm. Even as we speak right now, there's wrestling that's taking place. And there's wrestling that we engage in to establish kingdom here for us on the earth in our lives for Christ. And then there is the third heaven where God resides. Hallelujah. And so those are three heavens that are definitely taught and mentioned in the Bible. So let's start this again. Hallelujah. The casting out of Satan is the main event of the seventh trumpet. It's part of a process of defeating satanic powers in the heavenlies before the purposes of God can be carried out on the earth. Satan is being defeated, but the results of that victory will take time to be worked out. And it's the same thing in our earth walk now. Jesus defeated Satan at the cross of Christ. Jesus purchased our salvation at the cross. He purchased our physical healing at the cross. He purchased our prosperity at the cross. Our blessing at the cross. Everything He purchased that Adam lost in the fall in the garden, Jesus purchased it back at the cross. But it takes time to be worked out. And that's why there are still mishaps upon planet Earth today. And there will be until the finality of this situation that we're going to be coming to in this study on the book of Revelation. Praise God. So the first events are fulfilled at this time, but the judging of the dead, rewarding of the saints, and the dealing with those who were destroying the Earth will be fulfilled in their own proper time frame. The wicked dead will be judged in the final judgment after the millennium, Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. The saints will be rewarded by the time they reign in the millennium, Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. The seventh trumpet blows in the middle of the week. This is not the last trump at the time of the rapture that we talked about in chapter 4 of Revelation. When this trumpet blows, there is a period of 42 months. 1260 days or three and one half years until the end of the great tribulation so when they hear that trumpet sound they know there's three and one half years approximately well definitely three and one half years left how long it's actually going to take uh, once we get past the tribulation into that uh, before the millennial reign starts we don't exactly know how long that's going to entail as Christ is judging this and judging that. But that's at the very beginning, we believe, of the millennial reign. 
after the statement here declaring the sovereignty of God over the kingdoms of this world, there are six sayings which are given by the elders, which are either fulfilled under the seven trumpets or their fulfillment is being anticipated. The first three statements are completed at this time. John saw the temple of God in heaven opened and the ark of his testament was observed. This ark is not the one Moses made, but this is the heavenly pattern, the original. You see, everything God told Moses to make where the tabernacle was concerned was a replica of that which is in heaven already and has always been in heaven. I want you to think of that. To be completed under the seventh trumpet are the events of the catching up of the man-child the casting out of Satan from heaven, the flight of the woman into the wilderness, the persecution of the remnant, the rise of the beast out of the sea, and the beast out of the earth. However, it should be noted that while the man-child is in heaven, the woman is in the wilderness, the devil is on the earth, and the beast of Revelation 13 continue for the last three and one-half years. The seventh trumpet doesn't last that long. And that goes back to that statement, Satan is being defeated, but the results of the victory will take time to be worked out. Okay? And so that really concludes our study of chapter 11. And once we get to chapter 12 and 13, I'm telling you, things are, are really heated up at that time frame, midway through the tribulation and covering the last three and one half years. I pray that you're having as much fun as I am as we look at the book of Revelation together. Uh, again, let me say, <clears throat> when I started this, the Lord began to deal with me many, many months ago about reading the book of Revelation with my partners and my friends, and providing a simple, a basic overview of the book. Not going in depth, not, not looking at different kinds of theories or anything like that, just reading the words of the book of Revelation and overviewing them. And it's a daunting task, to be honest with you, because I had never really taught the entire book of Revelation before. I've taught pieces of it. I've preached messages from it. And we're going to spend perhaps a little bit longer time here on uh, chapter 12. So I don't know if that'll take one very long session or maybe a couple of sessions. But we'll do our best to, to move right along here through the rest of the book. Incidentally, uh, these, these radio programs are being put on the Old Time Power podcast every Tuesday and every Friday when I'm not on the road. Now, so if, if we're tooling along and you get one, or I'm sorry, not Monday, Tuesday, every Tuesday and Friday. So this last Tuesday, we put chapter one up, okay? And so we're going to put one up on Friday, which will be chapters two and three we did in one session. Um, but if you're tooling along there and some Tuesday one doesn't come or some Friday one doesn't come up, it's because I'm on the road. And sometimes I have people that can put stuff up for me while I'm on the road, and sometimes I do not. So we'll just have to see how that goes. But normally, I, if I'm, I'm normally home by Tuesdays. Uh, not always, but normally. And um, Friday I will hook it up for somebody, if not myself, 
somebody to put the program up for you so we can get through this series and I'm praying about the next series I'm not sure what it's going to be yet but we just want to bless you our partners our friends our listeners our viewers our supporters uh, we want to bless people who are just curious whoever comes across the programming we want it to be a blessing to you and my constant prayer is to do no violence to the Word of God and so we want to keep that in the foremost of our teaching as well. Um, I sat down to just begin to pray, Lord, when do you want me to do this? And I started taping the programs before my last oral surgery. And right now, the, my oral surgery was in March of 2019. We are, this is July 25th of 2019 as I tape this program for radio. And so we taped the first six chapters before the surgery back in February and early March. And uh, it's been several weeks that we've just been busy preaching here or there, and, and we've been dealing with other important subjects from the Word of God. And so now the Lord gave the green light to get back to this study in Bible prophecy from the book of Revelation, just reading it and overviewing it with the, the partners and the friends. And I appreciate you for taking your time to tune in <clears throat> and to listen and you can catch any past episodes on the old time power podcast they are all free to download and if you are a partner of the ministry that gives every month to help us with the work of the lord here in this outreach you will eventually be getting every one of these on cd as well and so we pray that it's a blessing to your heart and life heavenly father thank you today for this time with the people. Thank you for blessing your word to us. Thank you, God. We pray that something that's been said here today will be imparted into the hearts of the people. And God, we ask it giving you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So until the next time that we can come together around the word of God, this is Evangelist Len Paxton saying, Go with God, and He will go with you. Bless you now is my extreme prayer for your life.